Our creative team was thinking about titles for this, and we ended up right squarely there with Party Like Jesus. And then immediately we thought, how many people is that going to offend? Well, I guess we're used to that, but, you know, Party Like Jesus, what is that supposed to mean? What does that mean? Jesus didn't party? That's sacrilegious. Why is he saying that? Well, that's a good question, so we need to start with that. Why is he saying that? Everything needs a why, Right? There's a great book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. If you haven't read it, read it. Well, not everything needs a why. But a lot of things in your life that matter, you need a why. There's a how, there's a what. But the why is the purpose. The why is the thing that gets you out of bed to do something and keeps you doing it even when it's difficult. But it's what matters most to people. Why? Now, for some of you... We see the second part, party like Jesus makes sense when we read the second part, connecting disciples to God's holy days. For some of you, when it comes to the festivals, the why is well established. It's because God said so, and that's it. That's not very exciting why, but it's a, it, it is a why. It's, it's a good why. And if you've been part of Messianic Judaism or Judaism, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. It's because it's what we do. It's because it's what we've always done. And you might wonder why a synagogue like Shalom Aiken, which has been here for quite some time, uh, and has a fairly well-established congregational base, would be doing a series that seems so incredibly introductory on the biblical festivals. And the response could be, Rabbi, we know the why of why we do the festivals. But I have, I have news for you. If that's you, we are not alone. Huh? Oh. We have a very, very broad group of people who now constitutes we. It's not just, well, I've been doing that my whole life. No, there's a whole bunch of people who, you know, they don't really know. They're relatively new to Messianic Judaism, maybe relatively new to Torah. And they're part of this community whether here or online. And even as we were moving into Sukkot, someone asked me, would you do a series on why we're getting into these booths with the grass roof? And I'm like, yes, I should. You should know why we're doing this seemingly weird thing in Western America, I mean, the Western world. But I'll tell you something else about that group of people, our group, our community. <clears throat> they don't know as much as some people in the room do, haven't been celebrating the festivals. All they know is this. Ready? This is how this works. Man, I'm reading my Bible and I come across this chapter, Leviticus 23, and there are festivals in there. These things are in the Bible. Wait a minute. Forget the Bible. They're in the New Testament. The New Testament is the Bible. It's not separate. See, that's a joke. People think it is. Jesus and the disciples are doing these things. And then a big why not arrives. Or a why aren't better. Why are not we doing these things? 
Why aren't we doing these things if we are disciples of the Messiah? We, the, and then they make a decision to find out more. And sometimes at that very decision point, things get very weird for people. Because their friends start looking at them different. And they think they're putting themselves under the law. And they're going to do all these weird things. And sure enough, I bet what you're going to do next is stop eating bacon. You better watch yourself. But that's a part. When someone asks, why not? Why aren't we doing this? It's part of what we do as a community. We, we answer that. We do that historically. We do that, you know, God's holy days are never learned for most people. They're just not talked about. It's just not a thing. So we much less celebrated not even discussed, much less celebrated. Maybe Passover, which has sort of made a little bit of a comeback over the last, I don't know, 500 years. <laughs> so we have to cover some ugly history. But, but guess what? For there, that's also for a lot of people who may not be in the Messianic Synagogue who are asking the same questions. Who might join this online and say, party like Jesus, what's this heretic going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about what the disciples of Yeshua do and why they do it. <clears throat> I mean, if I'm a disciple, why do I not know how to party Jesus style, right? That's what he did. So, we're, yes, you could say this is basic. So I can educate about why not, but more importantly, help people understand the why. And my hope is that even if you've been celebrating the festivals for 40 years, that there's probably and hopefully still something God can show you in the midst of a few of the words, a refresher, but maybe something new to learn. So the basic whys, this is, this is it. And I don't have a slide, so that means you actually have to listen. The basic whys. The festivals, God's calendar, are a map of redemption. For Israel, literally, and then for the whole world through Yeshua. And all of these things will make sense as we look at this blueprint of redemption through the festivals. All of the festivals are a remembrance and they point to the life of Messiah, of Yeshua. They are a kingdom foretaste. The holidays, guess what? They're not going anywhere. When Jesus comes back, when Yeshua rules and reigns from Jerusalem, guess what's going to be happening there? A real party, a real party, complete with Sukkot and other things. These are a little taste, each one you celebrate, of what is going to be occurring in the kingdom. But maybe above all, which kind of goes back to the first why I said, which is because God said so, the real why of the festivals is because God said so. And in them, they are his appointed times, days, God commanded Israel to celebrate. And now you have to realize, of course you do or you wouldn't be here, Israel has an expanded definition. The Ephesians 2 definition, it doesn't mean that Gentiles have to go around acting like Jews or shouldn't go around saying and proclaiming and acting like that. But you become part of the community of Israel, which means the parties that Israel was invited to, you're invited to. And you should take up that invitation because God said it, right? Many people in this room that I've talked to over the last year, they don't really know why they're here. They just have this inward call, this like 
amazingly, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is speaking to them about the things that God said in the Bible. Could you imagine if that happened? I mean, wow. These are God's desire. And God's Old Testament people, bad terminology, have been doing this a long, long, long time. And so, if you are a disciple, you should know them. And we're going to grow and learn in our understanding and hope of the expectation that these lay for our future. So, foundations of faith, we have to start where do you think we have to start for a, a, an introduction to the festivals? Well, that's, a, that's good. And that, that makes sense. But I didn't phrase that question very well. So I'll answer it for you, Caleb. Thank you for being bold and just making a good answer. We need to start in the Torah because that's the general place. And interestingly, that's where Yeshua started everything, contrary to much... That's taught, right? We have to start here because that's where Yeshua started. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is on the brink of arrival. That's what he said. Did you know that's a Torah statement? Well, that's the gospel message. Yeah, it's a Torah statement. Repent means return, right? So what are you returning to? The things that God said you should do. What are those things? Those are the instructions that God gave to his people. And so when we repent, we're actually returning to the Torah. If we sin, it's a departure from God's instruction. To repent would be to return, which we will find things like the festivals when we return to the Torah. Leviticus 23. It's very, very easy to understand this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, and then the Lord spoke again, and he says, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. Okay? Starting with the Sabbath, which we'll spend some time on, and then continuing through the other festivals listed there, beginning with what, Caleb? Thank you. Passover. I knew there'd be a place to put that in there. There is some interesting language that will make its way into some of the Torah verses that talk about the festivals, like it is a law for all time throughout your ages and all your settlements. Did you hear what I said? All time. These observed in the seventh month as a law for all time throughout the ages. It does not say when I send the prophet like Moses and he teaches you some things, you can stop doing all these things. It says for all time. And it's interesting today when we consider how little of the Judeo-Christian world actually celebrates the festivals. So speaking of Torah, we do have a dilemma though. And this is the easy starting point answer as to why very few people at Ingleside Baptist Church celebrated Yom Kippur this year. It's because of the idea that the Torah has been done away with, right? It's, that's, that's it. That is it. And we find some general, um, for, for many... <clears throat> For many Christians, it's not that the Torah or the Bible has no value. It's the idea of me actually needing to do these things that doesn't have any value. Why? 
Because Jesus fulfilled those things, right? That's what he says in Matthew 5 that he came to do. Well, we need to look at the word fulfill, which we won't do today. So, but it's been taught. The Torah, the law, that, he, that Yeshua firmly opposed obedience to written laws, and especially those nasty, nasty rabbis. Like, don't do those things. That's exactly the opposite of what he really said. He said, do the things they say. The question could be asked, why is there, would there be any relevance to these Old Testament things? Yeshua didn't like them, Paul didn't like them, and the religion they founded didn't like them. You ready for the shocking reality? Again, I told you basic. Did Yeshua come to start a new religion? No. Okay, good. We got a foundational element in place. Let me show you. Um, here, is, here is Jesus Christ. Have you met Jesus Christ? He's from Athens. He has blonde hair, blue eyes. He walks around usually doing this. You can't see it, but he's doing it there. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's the thing. That's maybe the guy who wanted to do away with all the festivals. Let me introduce you to the other one, which you know. This is Yeshua. He's from Israel. He was a rabbi. He was Torah observant. He did all of these things that I'm talking to you about, right? And he said in Matthew, I did not come to abolish the Torah, but instead I came to Fulfill it. What does fulfill mean? It means fill full. It means explain. It means show you because you've sort of veered off the course a little bit and I'm to bring you back. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm going to give you the fullest, fillest meaning of the Torah and how to apply it to your life. That's what that means. It doesn't mean I came to, uh, I came not to abolish. No, not to abolish, but to abolish. It means I came to teach you things, okay? Let me show you another guy. This is Paul, St. Paul. He also, he's from Macedonia. He has also blonde hair, a little on the reddish side with bright blue eyes. It looks like Dave Hazen. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul. Now, Paul is Saul's Greek name. And he never went down to the courthouse in Jerusalem and said, hey, I'm sick of that Jewish name. Give me another one. He never changed his name. He's always Shaul, but he had multiple citizenships, so he had a name that was relevant in that particular community. Let me, let me introduce you to Shaul. That's not exactly what we imagine Paul looking like, is it? But this is, this is the, this is the Shaul. Huh? <laughs> Dr. David. This is, this is the Shaul who observed the festivals, who was a Jew, who was a Pharisee, active tense, Acts 23, who said this craziness, if you can believe it, for I delight in the law of God, Paul said. 
my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging. So he delights in God's law, but this other law within him, which is the human inclination to sin, is waging. And somehow or another, that got twisted to think that Paul hates the Torah when he plainly said, I delight in the law of God, just like David, just like Psalm 119, just like Psalm 19, just like all over. That's him. And he's a partier as well, if it comes to God's festivals. Right, Darren? He is that. So neither of them, neither of them came to start a new religion. Now, Paul had a very particular mission, which we all know about. But they continued to function, live, worship, and exist as Jews. Yeshua, Peter was in Jerusalem for Shavuot. Paul, I'll tell you very quickly, in the rapid-fire conclusion to this introduction, through a scriptural melee of texts, I'll show you Paul in his Shaul in his festivals. But <clears throat> the festivals of God, I wanted to call this Easter, Passover, pagans, oh my. <laughs> but my team overruled me on that. But we will make our way through Easter, Passover, and pagans. And you will say, <laughs> but first, the first thing. Well, what are the festivals of God? Not by name, but what are they? They are Mikrai Kodesh. You know what that means? It means holy convocations. It means times that God has set apart. And he really wants people to know these and celebrate them. They are, as we read in Leviticus 23, his festivals. They're mine, he says. Mine. Which does pose a little bit of a problem then. Why are they called Jewish holidays? That's one of the main reasons. Another main reason why you don't see them observed in the church. Those are the Jewish holidays, right, Mom? Those are the Jewish holidays. Well, why is that? One of the main reasons is that the Jews have been faithful to the word of God from its giving at Mount Sinai and have never abandoned the festivals. Now, they're not, for the large majority, not followers of Yeshua, so haven't bought into this New Testament replacement theology thing either. That helps. But they are the holidays of God, observed, celebrated by the Jewish people. And here, they have guarded and kept them, honored and obeyed the word that was received. But please consider this word from Shaul. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of Gentiles? Yes, of Gentiles also. In other words, God's days were given to the Jewish people, and eventually non-Jews came into this family. And as I've already said, that comes with a written invitation to the bigger thing. God's calendar didn't change. So what happened? What happened? Well, that's going to be next week as we get into there. There can never be a series of teaching like this about the foundations of anything that doesn't have some ugly history that we have to talk about and uncover. So we'll do that next week, because that's not fun. Today we're having fun. <clears throat> Some of these festivals originally centered on agriculture. Shavuot, right? The wheat harvest. Some, remember, you can move on, Darren. I don't know where they are. Just follow along and do your best. 
Some remember uh, specifically miraculous things, which we know, Passover, Sukkot, the provision for Israel in the desert. They are based on which calendar? And I don't mean Gregorian. I mean, which calendar are the festivals based on? Solar or lunar? Of course. They're based on the lunar calendar. There's even a big sort of celebration about every time the moon renews, like right now, Kislev. We just started a new month, Rosh Chodesh. It's a special day, even when the moon comes back. The festivals are annual reminders of this special relationship that God has with his people. But every day, every day almost, but certainly every week, every month, every year contains repeating reminders to connect us. Daily we have the set times prayer, morning, afternoon, evening. Weekly we have the Shabbat. Monthly we have Rosh Chodesh. Annually we have the feasts. How far back do they go? When did the idea for the feasts start? Thank you. Leviticus 23 would be the sort of logical answer, right? Well, that's when God gave the laws for the festival, so that's when they started. But that's not the case. It's very easy to identify. When was the sun and moon created? Creation, yeah, that's a good enough answer. Uh, the fourth day. We already had light, but by then we had the sun and the moon. And here's the commandment that went along with that. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night. They shall serve as signs for the set times. The Moadim. My appointed festivals. The moon will serve as a marker for these. They were created at the beginning, the Moadim, for times and seasons. God didn't come up with this at Leviticus. This has always been the plan, that he would have these moments. Who celebrated them? Well, all of Israel. And as a matter of fact, there are several, several commandments that require the festivals to be observed by the men of Israel. And, and other things. On Passover, what must you do? What's the law that you must consume on Passover? You must have unleavened bread. You must have bitter herbs. If there is a temple, you would have a Passover offering. Rosh Hashanah, what must you do? You must hear the sound of the shofar. Yom Kippur, what must you do? You must deny yourself. On this day, atonement shall be made. Sukkot, what must you do? Live in a sukkah, do some other things. The Shalosh Regalim, the three festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Every male was required to show up in Jerusalem for these festivals. So guess what? Here's a little trick. Here's a little Jeopardy tidbit. If Yeshua didn't celebrate the festivals, and if he didn't go where he needed to go, what is he? A lawbreaker. Thank you, Kelly. You have really taught me a lot. <laughs> a violator. A Torah commandment violator, and therefore not your Messiah. Did Jesus celebrate those? Yes, he did. He did. And, <clears throat> well, I'm not going to get into that because I'm giving you a lot. But <clears throat> we need to look. I, I, now here's the rapid fire part. You ready? Rapid fire. For the purpose of this, we need to look at some specific examples of some very influential Jews in the early church and see what their participation looked like. Peter, Paul, and 
Mary. Thank you. No, Yeshua. <laughs> but speaking of Mary, they went to um, they went to Jerusalem for Passover. Why? Because Yosef was a good Jew and he was a good example to his son. Right. So they went. And what does it say in Luke 241? His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. Why did they do that? Because they were supposed to. And when he was 12 years old, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. It's a bit more than a custom. It's a commandment. But anyway, who celebrated the feast in our New Testament context? Well, what difference does that make? Well, it makes a big difference because there are examples. Briefly at Yeshua. Shabbat, Luke 4.16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Mark 6. When Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and they were astonished. Were they astonished uh, at his teaching? Yes. But where was he giving it? In the synagogue to the Jewish people on Shabbat. Yeshua did not hate the Sabbath. That can't ever, ever, ever be stated or proved. Passover. Apart from the scripture above with Yeshua's parents, uh, it's not hard to identify with, with him being there for Passover. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Yeshua and said, where do you want us to pray for you to eat the Passover? That means Yeshua did what? Thank you. That wasn't hard. And I assure you, this was not his first Passover meal just because it was, you know, the, the end. He didn't just say, hey, this looks like a good thing. I'm going to die on this day, so let's have this Seder meal. I've never heard of it, but let's give it a shot. Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, easily missed by a Western mind. John, now the Feast of the Jews, it says in John. We have to understand another lesson, why the Jews is used sort of pejoratively in the book of John, a later gospel. Now the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booths, was near. This is the Gospel of John. He wasn't going to go, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? Where is he? Okay. It, people could say, see, he wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to observe the festival. He was going to be a purposely get rid of the Torah guy. No, he wasn't. He just wasn't going to go publicly. But then because he's Yeshua, he stood up and did this anyway. But now, when it was now the midst of the feast, Yeshua went up into the temple and began to teach. Where was he? In the temple. When was he there? Sukkot. And that's when we get the whole living water awesome thing on the great day of the feast. Yeshua stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He liked Sukkot. He was partying on Sukkot. For good measure, Hanukkah. John 10, at the time of the Feast of Dedication. What is the Feast of Dedication, Doug? Hanukkah, I got you. Hanukkah. He was there when the Feast of Dedication took place. Now listen, Hanukkah is not even a biblically mandated festival. It's a later festival instituted by the rabbis to recall the deliverance of Israel. That's kind of a common theme in some of these holidays. Peter, Jesus' main man, the rock, right? Here's the examples. In Acts 2, we find him with the apostles. Where? Well, I mean, sorry. Well, yeah, where and when? Acts 2, 
giving of the Holy Spirit. What day was it? Shavuot. Why was he there? Because it was Shavuot and he needed to be. And it goes on to say, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house. What is the house potentially? A little tiny room where they were all gathered in there? No. You go into the temple, you celebrate Shavuot, the house, God's house in rabbinic literature. It's often referring to the temple. So Peter's in the temple on Shavuot. Is it amazing that maybe the Holy Spirit was given in that old, dirty, legalistic temple? No, it absolutely could happen. Why was the rock of the church still celebrating these festivals? Paul, one more time, just because I love that slide. Darren, do I have it? There he is. There he is. I, complete with the halo. It's a double halo. It's got the pink star plus the yellow off his blonde hair. I, I like the little things. If anyone did away with the feasts, if anyone did away with the feasts, that's your guy, right? According to a lot of later developed theology. And you don't have to look hard. Colossians 2.16, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Those are supposedly Paul's words from Colossians. And we're going to revisit that with some important clarifications. But it would seem to me, it would seem to me that this could be used as a very good foundational text for disciples to not be celebrating the festivals. Don't let anybody judge you in respect to a festival or a new moon or Shabbat. Sort of like, and this is the implication, you don't have to do those old things. Jesus did away with them, right? But interestingly, that's not what Paul seemed to do. Shavuot. Acts 18, he bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God wills. And he sailed from Ephesus. That's very small, my apologies. But there's an interesting thing. Can you at least read the little bold part there? I'll read it again. Bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. I want you to go home and look in your Bibles, several versions of them it would be good to do, Acts 18.21, and see what that second bolded statement says. I have a sneaking suspicion that it's not going to say, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. It was translated into something different, which doesn't make it sound like that at all. But that's the literal translation of the Greek. Paul. Paul is saying, I've got to go to the festivals. Do you think he cared about them? Does that jive with the Colossians thing? Not really. Not really. But you'll find out next week when we're not having as much fun. For Paul had decided in Acts 20 to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Acts 20, Paul, they went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. Uh, 
another reference. First of all, realize he's writing this book and he's referencing the holidays. That meant everybody had to have known what the unleavened bread days were, right? Why would you put that in as a reference? And then he goes on to say, celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven. This is in Corinthians, the leaven of malice. He's using Passover references, writing to the Corinthians. Hello, friend. <laughs> These are a few. These are a few examples of your, your Peter, Paul, and Mary, since you mentioned it. I threw that in for you. These are a few of the New Testament festival connections. Paul expressly forbids, it would seem, the Gentiles to observe the festivals. But that is not right. That is not right. If he's celebrating them and Peter and Yeshua, and you know, listen, this question. Let me think about how to phrase it, though. If... What else could the new community be expected to celebrate? If Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter's out there talking to him and all these idol worshipers are no longer doing their thing anymore and they're coming, where are they coming to learn? Acts 15 tells us. Don't do these four things and the rest you're going to learn where? In the, you know, where Moses is taught. What else would the nations be doing except celebrating the festivals? Which is why Paul can reference unleavened bread and write in Acts about the fast and all kinds of other things. It's a given from the text. And that's the great tragedy of the fact that theological bias and translation and replacement theology and every other thing have ripped the festivals out of the hands of all of God's people. Yes, the Jews have guarded them and have brought you to this point to know. But there's something there. We'll explore the fact that these Gentiles were celebrating the feasts, and more importantly, why and how that got changed in the feasts. Passover, Easter, pagans, oh my. And next week I'll take you to meet the pagans. How does that sound? <laughs> Exciting? Yeah. I'll, try, I'll still try to make it fun, okay? Let's stand up. Shabbat Shalom.